Well, we are back into our message series, The Superpower of Prayer. This is week three. There'll be one more. Actually, it'll be next Sunday. So we have gone through activation of prayer. We've talked about what prayer is. And I'll, I'll review those in just a moment in case you're kind of behind, need to be brought up to speed. But two things before we jump into that. First is we have High Point 101 today, which is an introduction into the life of our church. So if you've been kind of wanting to know or thinking about, hey, I, I'd like to know what it means to join this church. I'd like to hear what, what do they believe and what's their strategy and structure, those kind of things. So come today at three o'clock. We, we will um, happily welcome you. We'll have some food. And uh, you can ask questions and all that kind of good stuff. So just note that today, 3 o'clock, if you'd like to come back. Secondly, is we have two positions that we need to fill. We have a tech team leader that's 20 hours a week that we need to fill. It's someone that can understand uh, the, the tech world um, in terms of social media, uh, some of the things that you see when we record services, videos, that kind of stuff. So if you know of somebody or you are that someone, uh, let that... No, be known on the connect card that you've got them. So when you put it in the bas or the boxes in the back or whatever, you can come up and hand it to me. Uh, we can we can talk with you. So we we need to get that position filled. We also have one other position. It's twenty hours a week, up to twenty hours a week, and that is a building manager, someone that kind of just keeps this building working and maintenance and, and that kind of stuff. So those are the two positions we need. And if you uh, again, if you know someone, let us know or prompt them, or if you are that someone, please let me know. Uh, so that we can see if, hey, maybe that's a fit for you and it's a fit for us. And God says, yeah, I brought this together. So anyways, there we go. That's all I'm going to say about that. Let's jump into the study of the superpower of prayer. And if you recall, a few weeks ago, we had some fun at my expense, if you remember. I said that I had found something in the garage and the picture was of some uh, channel locks that I had no idea what they were for. And I think it's fairly well documented that the handyman in our house is Nancy and not me. And, we, you know, that's, that's fun. It's, it's, I, I told her, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll know handyman. I'll take care of him. They'll take care of me. A couple of you guys kind of, and I get the joke. You you've came to me. You kind of said, we're going to kind of have to pull your man card. You know, you kind of threatened me. I was like, well, hold on a minute here. I mean, I'm not a complete, I'm not completely devoid of doing anything that I thought I needed to share with you this week in hopes that I could bring back maybe some, um, some cachet I need, uh, that I would need down the road. And that is, I'll have you know that not too long ago, I fixed our microwave. All right? That's exactly right. Let me tell you. Let me, let me explain that since you want to know. Um, our microwave would start every time you shut the door. Couldn't turn it off. So immediately when that happened, my thought was, and I told Nancy, I said, we got to buy a new microwave because there's no way I'm fixing this one. And uh, that's just kind of how we repair things is we buy new things. That, that's my kind of way of doing it. Well, she kind of challenged that briefly. And so I went online to find out and I kind of described what was wrong with my microwave. And sure enough, here was this how-to video that I really didn't want to open up because then it kind of put me on the spot and I'd have to do this. I thought, let's just buy a new one. But I thought, no, I, I need to look at this. And so not only was it a how-to video, but it had like the links to the parts that I needed. And I just clicked the link and amazing, whoosh, there it was. And all I had to do was give my credit card information. And before too long, the parts came in the mail. And I took those parts over to the microwave. I, I, I got my how-to video going 
And I fixed that bad boy is what I did, okay? <laughs> I know. I tell, and I was beating my chest. I, I think that might have been in, in, in the recent memory, sweetheart, tell me if I'm wrong here. That was probably my most sexiest moment, wasn't it? <laughs> I felt so good about that. I really did. Now, that, hopefully that buys me, you know, like five years of not having to do that ever again. But how to video save my bacon. And this morning, we're going to kind of do the same thing with prayer. We're going to get down to the very practical how to. If you recall, I started this message series by reading to you from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I mean, it is a, 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 a verse of scripture that is, is, um, has the potential, I think, beyond what we can really comprehend. This is God saying to his people, he says, And my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And in message one, we talked about activation. How do we activate the superpower of prayer that we, that we see that we have? And we said that there was a, a who and a what to the activation. And the who is God saying, my people. Today, for, that, for us, that means followers of Jesus. That means if you're not a follower of Jesus, my friend, you do not have access to the superpower of prayer. But it's not just the who, there's also the what. Tied to the who is God saying, if, if they will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. In other words, I will answer their prayers. So we have the who and we have the what of superpower prayer. And we talked about well, what does that look like? What exactly superpowers do we, do we have in our prayers? Well, well, first and foremost, we have from this verse, we active, actually engage and get the attention of your creator and my creator. Everything you see, the one who is all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful, we have his attention. We have his ear. And he responds. That's what superpower prayer can do. Superpower prayer, the Bible tells us, is it brings peace and contentment to us that is not dependent upon circumstance. I mean, every one of us in this room, at a time or two, or maybe this is our modus operandi, when we're not at rest, when we're anxious, we're trying to control our circumstances. We're trying to get all the plates spinning and keeping them spinning, and we don't want them to fall. But inevitably they do. But we have, through superpower prayer, the possibility, and I would say the probability, the guarantee of Scripture, that when we pray, and we're the who, and we're the what, we receive peace and contentment in the midst of challenging circumstances. Lots of power that comes from superpower prayer. We saw last week that, or two weeks ago, that it actually becomes a weapon that you and I have. Prayer is a weapon that we have to fight temptation. And temptation is everywhere. Everywhere you turn. Everything you see and watch. Satan is wanting to tempt you and to tempt me. To rob God of his glory in your life. And us of our joy and peace. And prayer. Superpower prayer is our weapon against that. So we talked about, in week one, we talked about how do we activate it. And then week two, we said, well, what is prayer? What, what exactly are we talking about? We said that prayer was the intellectual and verbal communication by faith 
in the holy God that we know personally. That's what prayer is. It's, a, it's an act of faith. But it's, 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 it's reasoned. And, and whether we say words out loud or we say them internally, God hears them and understands them. And we realize that it's a holy God. The holy God that we're talking to. And we know him personally. And prayer enables us to make that personal relationship even more intimate. So now we get to today. Week three. And we get to that, well, how, how do we pray? We understand the activation. Okay, I have this power, this potential. It's amazing. And I understand what prayer is, but how do I go about doing it? And so this morning, I'm going to share with you first just some general guidelines as to how to pray. And then we're going to look at the art of praying. A-R-R-T. It's an acronym that we're going to play off of the Lord's Prayer in particular to understand exactly how we pray. So, to do that, I'm going to ask, let's get our Bibles open to our table of contents. Let's find that, the Lord's Prayer. It's, uh, if you'll look in your table of contents, it's in the book of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament, whatever page that corresponds to in your Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to get there. But first, before we get there, I want to give you some general guidelines as to how to pray. And to do that, I'm going to start by reading... In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession, the confession that Jesus is the Son of God. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as, he was, as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Some of your translations might say confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. So how do you go before God? Do, do some of you very hesitantly, if, if at all, go before God because you think, who am I? What have I done to deserve anything he might answer in the way of my requests? Or some of you more, more sheepishly, you kind of just, you, you offer this, this, this quiet little prayer in hopes that he just might hear it. Or like the writer of Hebrews, do you go into the presence of God in prayer, not with confidence, but with the word that I made up many, many months ago, Godfidence. Do you remember that word? Not confidence, but Godfidence. And as the writer of Hebrews tells us, the Godfidence comes from, and, and, and stepping into the presence of God, not worried about or thinking about, he may or may not answer me. Not sheepishly, just, I hope you hear this. My friends, it's, it's like a child of the president busting in the doors to the Oval Office saying, Daddy, come on in. That's, that's what we have by virtue of Christ's work and not ours. That's why I say Godfidence. That is why, parenthetically, why every prayer that I pray, and I would suggest you do the same, I always end it in Jesus' name. I don't just end it in amen. Because I'm mindful that when I'm praying to God and he's listening to me, it has nothing to do with me. And it has everything to do with Jesus. And apart from his work, God does not hear me. I would suggest you think about doing the same. Just staying mindful that you pray with confidence because it was Christ in his work. So, 
that's a general guideline as to how to pray. The second guideline that I'd give you, if you're there in Matthew chapter 6, look, look at verses 5 and 6. It says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who is in secret will reward you. And then in Luke chapter 22, this is when Jesus is in the garden. He is hours away from the kangaroo court that he goes through. From being convicted, being beaten, and being crucified. And in the garden which is where he went, or the Mount of Olives, where he went often to be alone and to pray. Verse 39 says, He went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, notice the posture, and began to pray, Father, if you are willing to take this cup away from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So we have where Jesus pulls away. It was very common for him to do that. And, and you notice posture in doing it. He, he was alone so that he could pray to God without distraction. I have found that people primarily pray in a number of places. They pray before a meal. Typically it's at home. Some do it at a restaurant. But it's before a meal when they're with their family. I've talked to people and they pray when they're in church. You might have already prayed this morning. As we pray, you might have or you may have prayed as well. They pray in a small group when they're in their small group. But where people might pray the most is in the car. And there's nothing wrong with that. Other than the fact that you're driving, trying to pay attention. Maybe you're thinking about wherever you're going. I'm suggesting to you that if, that, that if Jesus needed to pull away and be by himself, then maybe that's a good thing for us. It, in the summer months, um, I typically go out into the garage and sit in the car in the dark. I need to be alone. And I, and I have found in my own prayer life that when I, when I take the time and I, and I set it a, a specific time and I set a specific place and I'm just alone and I'm praying in solitude, I find that enriches my prayer life immensely, which equates to enriching my life with God. I don't know where you pray. I don't know if you are spot prayer here and there. But I would strongly recommend in terms of how do you pray is to find a place, find a time and be by yourself without distraction. And talk to God. The third uh, principle, the guiding principle for uh, praying effective prayers, is actually in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse seventeen. You you've maybe have heard that uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in all the Bible, and that is true, a two word verse. But here's another one you can memorize: First Thessalonians five seventeen. Pray constantly. There you go. That's it. That's Paul's letter. To the church in Thessalonica, he says, pray constantly. Now, typically, we pray with our eyes shut, do we not? Matter of fact, when you see somebody praying and their eyes are open, you're like, whoa, that's a little spooky. What are you doing? <laughs> you're supposed to shut your eyes. 
right? But if we're to obey this command, and this is a command, well, then we realize we cannot shut our eyes the whole time. Which what's really being uh, referenced here, what's really kind of emerging out of this command is that prayer is something that we are to do with our eyes shut and with our eyes open. Why? Because prayer is a continuous conversation with God. That is what prayer is. It's just talking to him. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, he wants to go along with you. Newsflash, he's already there. He just wants to be invited. And we just talk about the things that are going on in our, in our world, where we're going, what we have enjoyed, what we're concerned about, what we hope happens. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. Pray continuously with your eyes open as much, if not more, with your eyes shut. Lastly, general guideline before we get to the art of praying. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul says... I'm in the Girls Eat Popcorn book. If you ever want to know the, the books of the Bible in order in the New Testament, you get that little Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I think I've shared that with you before. The Girls Eat Popcorn books. I'm in the eating of the Girls Eat Popcorn books. Chapter 6, verse 18. Paul says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert in this with all the perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Notice he says, with every prayer and request. A general guideline for prayer, my friends, is pray about everything. Really, everything. I know there are some people who think, well, I can't pray about that. It's not important to God. If it's important to you, it's important to God. And please don't think that if inside of you, you're, you're, you're wanting that or you're worried about that, but you're just not going to pray about that, that you like, you've got God going, oh, please tell me, will you? I just don't know. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where I am. He wants us to bring everything to him. Everything. Going back, and we'll see in a moment in the art of praying that, that Jesus teaches us to, to come and say, our father. He's saying, come to God as father. And how do you honor God as father? Well, how do your kids honor you as father or mother? Do they stop at asking? Is there anything off the table that they're not going to ask you? No, they ask everything. And so are we in the same way. Because believe it or not, unlike some of the reality game shows, you don't get limited lifelines with prayer. It's like, I think some people think, well, I only have so many prayers in the bag and I don't want to waste them. You have unlimited prayer. Unlimited texting and talking with God. That's what you have. We need to pray with that in mind. And here's, a, again, pray for yourself. I know it sounds virtuous. I don't pray for myself. I pray for everybody else, but not for myself. Pfft. That's ridiculous. Why don't you pray for yourself? Do you really don't need anything? Are you that independent and self-sufficient? No. So pray for yourself. Pray for the things that you need. Pray for the things that you think you need. Pray for your wants. Just be open to God's response. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Because here's the backstop you and I have for our prayers. When we're not sure if we're praying the right things. We have the wisdom of God and the will of God. And, and our prayers 
will not beat that. Our prayers will be shaped by that. So we have that as our backstop. But there are your, just your general guidelines to prayer. Okay? Now, let's get into the art of praying. That I want to pull from Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus was asked. Keep in mind, he was asked by people who were praying. The prayer wasn't new to them. But they saw something in his praying that made a difference. Jesus teaches to pray like you pray. And in verse 9, he says, therefore... You should pray. Notice the word like. Like this. So you take like out. He, he could have said, therefore, you should pray this. As, as, as for many of, maybe many of you, where the Lord's prayer becomes this, that's the only prayer that you pray. It's robotic. And it's like you think you're getting credit for praying that. But it's there as a template. It's there to give you an idea as to how when you come into the presence of God, what might I say? What might my mindset be? Certainly you can pray it, and, I, and I, I pray it many times just as it is here. But I don't do it mechanically. I don't do it robotically. I stop and I ponder as we go through the art of praying. I think you'll see the same thing. So let's start. He says, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. The A is to admire God. God wants us to admire him. And we admire him as father when we acknowledge his provision and protection. Think about it. When you, when you go before God, just begin to acknowledge the way he's protected you or protected your loved ones. The way he's provided for you or for your loved ones. Just acknowledge that and acknowledge what that protection was and what that provision was. You're admiring God when you do that. Dads, may I just say this briefly? Recognize, don't underestimate, please, the power that you hold in the eyes of your children to, to understand God as Father. Again, they're free moral agents. This is the most freeing thing I could say to a parent. It's just so natural for parents when their children go off kind of wild and, and, and off the rails. What have I done wrong parenting? Well, you did something wrong. But every parent's done something wrong. We're not perfect. But they're free moral agents to choose whatever they want to choose. And you can do your very best in modeling for them. But there's no guarantees to that. But that's not to underestimate. Dads, how we live our lives before our children in helping them to make the connection to God as Father. He says, your name be honored and holy. This is where we praise him for who he is. Not merely for what he's done, but for who he is. We praise him for his power, for his beauty, for his love, for his grace, for his forgiveness. And we, and we just, we're telling him, we're, we're admiring him. My God, thank you. I praise you for who you are. I praise you for your grace for me. I praise you for your love for me. C.S. Lewis makes, a, I think, a fascinating comment that really brings, I think, praise uh, in, in focus in a way that maybe you don't think about it. C.S. Lewis said this. He says, we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise doesn't merely express but completes the enjoyment. So what he's saying is that praise, and when we praise God for who he is, that we're not just merely praising him 
out of the joy we, we have from what he and who he is. But we complete our joy when we do that. Let me give you an analogy. And, and I, I, I apologize for the sports analogy. But this is what, to me, what rings true more than anything else. So a few, a few weekends ago, I flew back to Texas to go watch Texas A&M and Alabama play. And I went there wanting to experience joy. <laughs> Didn't happen. <laughs> but there were moments in the game where something, the Texas A&M would do something amazing. We, we, were, we were winning at halftime. We were, was th- I was high-fiving people I didn't even know. We were going crazy. So we would see this amazing play and, 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 and a score, if you will. And imagine if we just had to go, don't say a thing. Don't release that enjoyment over that play. Just mm, keep it quiet. Very frustrating. It just naturally comes out and, and, it, and it completes the joy of that experience. Because then you settle down and now you're waiting for the next moment. And my friends, that's, that's in a way what God wants from us. I mean, think about it. I will cheer my team on sometimes more than I'll cheer on God for what he's done for me. And that's, that's just hard to say. I believe I say it amongst good company though. So when we praise him through prayer and through worship, we're completing the enjoyment that we have in God as one who is honored and who is holy. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now note, before God, we think of prayer as asking God for things. But note, before he hasn't, Jesus hasn't even gotten to that yet. And what he wants us to do is he wants us to be mindful of the kingdom of God and the will of God. Because the kingdom of God and the will of God are there to shape our prayers. So that when we come before him, we're mindful that it's all about God. Now, that doesn't stop us from asking for things and asking for everything. Whatever's on your heart, whatever's important to you is important to God. But God is going to use the kingdom and, the, and, and his will to shape our prayers. And we can admire him for that. He knows all. He knows what is best. And when we pray with the kingdom in mind, he shapes he shapes us and he shapes our prayers, which is why in my prayers, not only do I, do I uh, finish my prayers within Jesus' name, but very often, not always, and that's on me, but very often when I'm praying and I'm giving to God my burden, I, I'm mindful and I repeat to him the same thing that Jesus said in the garden that we just read, right? Jesus is about to be betrayed and he says, God, if there's another way to do this, amen. But not my will, but your will be done. And you think about it, if anyone ever deserved, you know, that a prayer being answered, I think we could say Christ. But God had something bigger and more important. And Jesus said, not my will, your will be done. And I tried to bring into my prayers with God, God, this is really important to me. Have I said this is really important to me? God, God this is really important to me. But not my will, your will be done. It is a prayer of surrender. It is a, a, a superpower prayer. So there's your A, Okay. We admire God. The first R, we'll look at verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. This is what we expect in prayer. This is when we bring to God. Notice it says our daily bread. So how might often would, we, would God want us to be praying? Daily. 
Do you pray daily? Do you remember? I would hope in that continuous conversation that you're praying all the time as I would hope I would do the same. But we're to bring to God our needs and even our wants. And here's what I try to do. When I bring God my wants, and believe me, we, we, we bring to God the things that really matter, that we're really concerned about, that we really think are really important. We need these now. This is how it should go. And every prayer that I send up in that way, I tell myself three things. And in telling myself three things, I'm telling God these things. God, I have faith in that you can do this. I tell myself, God, I have faith that you can do this. Secondly, I say is to God, I hope you will do this. And then the third thing is I say, and I will trust you in whatever way you answer it. So I have faith in you can do it. I, I know you can do this. And I'm going to hope that you will. So I don't come out of prayer, you know, kind of like being an Eeyore in my attitude and I'm down. I'm going to come out of prayer hopeful that this is going to happen. But I got to cover that by saying, I trust that your answer is best for me. And that's how you offer and give to God the things that you need and trust him with what you've given him. What's interesting is in Matthew chapter 6, if you read ahead, Jesus actually says that God's going to give you what you need. It's a promise. He says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and these things will be added unto you. So when you're seeking the kingdom, God's going to provide your needs. Well, then you ask yourself, well, then why is he teaching us earlier that we're to ask for our needs if we're promised that our needs will be given a little bit later in the chapter? Why does he do that? Because Jesus wants us to make the connection, the important connection, that what we get is not from us. It is from him. So that we don't kind of start floating away thinking we're kind of being independent. No, we are utterly dependent upon God. And he wants us to make that connection in our prayers. That's the second R is to request to God the things that we need. The third R comes from us verse 12 and 13. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This, my friends, is where we reveal to God our brokenness and our weakness. And notice the words, in my Bible translation, it's debts. Some of yours might say sins. Forgive us our sins. But I think debt's a better word. Because we are indebted to God. Once we've sinned, we are in debt to him. And it's a debt we cannot pay. And God recognizes that. And so he sends Jesus Christ to live the life we could not live perfectly. And then he dies a substitutionary death to absorb the judgment of God on your behalf. And then God raises him three days later to say, this is the guy. I, am, I approve of his perfect life and substitutionary death. I am satisfied. And when we put our faith and trust in him, we become new creatures in Christ. And our sins are forgiven and our debts have been paid. Now, what we have to recognize as Christians is when we are followers of Jesus and we, we still sin. But our sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. That's the power of what Jesus did. Forever, our sins are forgiven. So then why is Jesus telling us to confess our sins if they've all been forgiven? Because again, he's making the connection relationally. In one sense, our sins are forgiven and we are saved. We are, we are forever right with God and we will forever be with God. But then there's the everyday, every moment relationship that we have with God and we're going we're gonna to hurt him 
when we sin against him. And we need to recognize that. And so when we're confessing our sins, we're realizing that we're relationally, we're hurting the heart of God. And it's important in our relationship that we're mindful of that hurt and that we, we name that hurt and we're specific with it. And we thank God for the forgiveness that we have. But it's about keeping that relationship healthy. And then he says some of this, maybe this is the strangest thing you've ever heard. And do not bring us into temptation. What? Does God tempt us? Are we really, is Jesus teaching that we're to say, God, please don't tempt me to do something wrong. You ever wondered about that? I thought, well, I just must not be understanding. I'm just going to not pay attention to it. Well, let's unpack that for a moment. What we need to understand is the word temptation. It's a Greek word and it's used exactly in the same way in James chapter 1. As trial. So it's interpreted or translated temptation in Matthew chapter 6. And it is translated trial in James chapter 1. And what we need to recognize is that this word has two meanings. It, it, there's the meaning of trial, struggle, challenge that James uses it. And there's the way it's being used. And, and actually James further goes on to, to describe it also as enticement. To be enticed to sin. But James is very clear. He says God will not tempt you. He will not entice you to sin. Okay. But will he lead you into temptation? And that's the prayer, right? It's not Jesus. Jesus is not teaching us, God, don't tempt me. It's God, don't lead me into temptation. So, huh. Would God ever lead us into a situation where we then could be enticed to sin? Would God do that? Yeah. He not only would, he did. Who might he have done that with? With Jesus. The Bible tells us that, that Jesus led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted. But the temptation came from Satan, not from God. And so God, in the strengthening of our faith, and the testing of our faith, will lead us into temptation, but will not be the one who entices us to sin. Do you get that? Well, then why is Jesus <laughs> saying that we should pray, God, don't lead me into temptation? My friends, this is a confession of weakness. This is recognizing with humility. God, don't, don't lead me there. I, I'm not sure how that's going to turn out. But James tells us if you are led there, it's a chance for your, for your faith to be tested. Let, let's flip it around this way. Think about it this way. Imagine if you said to God, bring it on, bring all the temptation, I'm ready. I mean, that's pretty prideful. That's pretty arrogant. You, you wouldn't expect that, right? And so all this is, what the importance of this is that we're to approach God. How we pray to God is with, a, with humility, with an acknowledgement and a recognition of our weakness. Trusting that in the times of temptation, and they will come, that we will be given the strength and we will become stronger because of them. So there's your A, there's your R, there's your R and the art 
of praying and we get to the T and I don't think the T is going to surprise you in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is to thank him. This is another way to praise God. We praise him for who he is as we admire him but we also praise him for what he's done. And what's really been interesting to me, um, for me personally, over the last couple of years, is this is the, the T is what I've been working on more than anything else. I'd like to think I had the other ones kind of down. But, you know, the Thanksgiving part, that kind of came really at the end, well, really quick, okay, now on, on to other things. But man, I started drilling down and just exhaustively thinking of things that I could thank God for. I mean, really, I mean, I, every day I'm thanking him for the same, I'm thanking him for the roof I slept under, the bed I slept in, the clothes on my body, the food in my stomach, the country I was born in, the woman I was married to, the job that I have, the church that I'm a part of. I'm just going through, not like a bolt, not like a machine gun. I, I'm stopping and I'm really, thank you, thank you. And my friends, what it's done is it's, it's, it's brought contentment into my life and some of those things that I really thought I needed to have and that I really wanted are not quite as powerful as they once were. I challenge you to do that. To thank God for all those things. Being careful to, to name them. It'll change your disposition. It'll change your attitude. And that's just what comes from the art of praying. So we admire. We request. We reveal. And we thank. Okay? Challenge for this week. Would you download the prayer app? If you have a prayer app, I have Echo. It works just fine. But download a prayer app so you can be prompted and reminded. You can keep track of people you're praying for, things you're praying for, and you can be reminded through notifications. Wonderful how technology works for us in that way. Secondly, would you pray using art for 15 minutes a day alone? Pray alone in solitude. Thirdly is, now we're gonna kind of, let's jump up to, to the uh, magna cum laude here. Pray the Bible back to God. And I, I've been going through the Psalms. So pray Psalms 60 through 69. Just read those Psalms and, and, and read them as if you're praying to God. It's powerful. Okay? And then if that's not enough, pray back to God in Ephesians, the prayers in the Bible. And I find Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3, they're, they're Paul's prayers and they are powerful. As a matter of fact, uh, I was asked to pray at the National Day of Prayer Breakfast back in May. And I was like, God, what, what do you want me to pray? Well, how, how do I say this? And I'm sitting up there at a table with a bunch of people that were wondering, like, why is this guy here? And I'm like, how do I pray? And man, I just opened up Ephesians chapter 3. And, and I, I, I had a little bit of my stuff. And then I just, man, I just read that. Because it's a powerful prayer. Okay? So do that. This will strengthen your prayer muscle. All right? Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of prayer. Thank you for your patience as we learn what that means. And I pray, Lord God, that our superpower of prayer that you've given us in Jesus' name makes a difference in our lives and the lives of those around us and brings glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen.